Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Faith is not measured by blessings. It's measured through fire. By facing lions in the midst of a storm. You don't serve God for very long until you find out that being a Christian doesn't exempt you from going through crisis in, in your life. Um, wonderful, spiritual Christian people have nonetheless dealt with, experienced sickness. They've, they've experienced layoffs on the job. They've experienced family problems. I know wonderful spiritual people who have experienced depression, bipolar depression. They've, they've been diagnosed with disease. They've, they've experienced unexplained loss, the death of, of a loved one, and a host of other issues that are common to people everywhere in the world. The difference is that, that Christians and believers face those things with the God of the universe on their side. And that makes a world of difference. I think immediately of a man from the Old Testament by the name of Job. We don't know a whole lot about Job other than what was given to us in, in the book that is uh, named after him. We do know that he was a rich man, but he was also a, a very influential man and a very righteous man before the Lord. But when Satan appeared before God one day, God pointed out to, Job, to Satan about Job's character and Job's integrity, and that caused Satan to challenge God, saying, well, he, he, he's only uh, faithful to you because you bless him with so much, and he's wealthy, and he's got all the, you know, and if, and if you take all that wealth away from him and all his blessings away, he'll curse you to his face. And so God gave Satan permission to take Job's wealth, his children, and even his health away from him. In fact, all that Job was left with was a wife whose advice came down to this, curse God and die. So Job faced more than he ever expected he would face, more than he thought he'd be able to face. But the Bible says that he kept his integrity through all of it. He never sinned against the Lord, never accused God. And God, because of that, restored him at the end of the book to twice as much blessing in his life as, as he had had prior to all of his trials. But here's what we learn from from people like Job. Being a believer in God, being a follower of God in today's world, being a Christian, a fully committed Christian, does not exempt you from crises and experiencing crisis in your life. 
Uh, David in the Old Testament was a man who was fully committed. In fact, the Bible says God himself said about David that he's a man after my own heart. So he was a man who was fully committed to the Lord, and yet he experienced incredible hardship in his life. Many of the Psalms were written by David, and in those Psalms that he wrote, you can see the despair that he is going through, the, the tragedy that he's experiencing, and he's, and he's uh, writing out his feelings in the book of Psalms. In, in Psalm 124, he wrote these words, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Now, it's interesting he says our side because he's actually talking for all of Israel. He's saying not the Lord is on my side. Yeah, he's on my side, but he's on our side, let Israel say. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, you ever had that happen? Then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us and the flood would have swept us away and the torrent would have gone over us then over us would have gone uh, the raging waters but blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler the snake uh, the snare is broken rather we have escaped our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth so Job knew something that that uh, about God and David knew something about the Lord. When hard times came, they knew that they had a safe place, a refuge that they could run to in the name of the Lord, and he would grant unto them the victory that they need to bring about the glory unto his name. And Daniel had to know the same thing, that God still was God even when bad things were happening in his life, and that Daniel had an obligation to represent God in the pagan world that he was living in, even when tough stuff was going on in his life. Now, Daniel was a good man in a very rough place. Israel, at this stage in their history, had been conquered by the nation of Babylon. That happened because Israel had been unfaithful to their covenant with God. And I don't mean just a little unfaithful. They had been severely, they had been extremely unfaithful to God. Not only were they not worshiping Jehovah, but they had begun to worship the false gods of the nations that they had previously conquered, that were around them. I mean, it's one thing to, to walk away from from. Well, let's just use it in marriage terms. It's one thing to walk away from your spouse. It's an extra dagger when you walk away from your spouse and you go into the arms of somebody else. And that's exactly what Israel was doing spiritually. They walked away from God, who was their spiritual husband, and threw themselves into the arms of these false gods. And because of it, God lifted his favor off of them, which meant that they were now vulnerable to the aggression of other nations. At this particular time in history, the Babylonian Empire was the world's great power. And God allowed them to conquer Israel and to become, in effect, God's rod of discipline upon, their, upon that nation because of their, their sin. Now, I want you to understand, as a nation, Israel deserved what they were getting. They had, I've already told you, they had walked away from God and embraced other gods. But Daniel, as an individual, did not deserve what was happening to him. In fact, 
Many righteous people in Israel came under the same discipline as Daniel, as the rest of the nation, the rest of what the nation faced, simply because they were living in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were good people, fully committed to God, but because the nation as a whole had walked away from God, they were being sucked in to that discipline along with everybody else. You know, we would like to think that if we do everything right, we'll never suffer. You do the right things, you say the right things, you live the right way, and all you'll have in your life is blessings abundantly coming upon you. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that were true? And in fact, a lot of us kind of believe that. We kind of look at life and say, well, you know, if I'm doing what I should do, everything will, will come together and it'll all work just right. Now, we're not the first people to believe that. People have always believed that. In fact, you remember the time that Jesus said to his disciples, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were confused over that. And their response was, well, then who can be saved? And the reason they responded that way is because they equated the riches that the, the rich man had with the favor of God. So the rich man was rich because he was doing everything right, and therefore God gave him money, God gave him riches. So if it was hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, who in the world could be saved? Because you see, they had faulty reasoning through it all. That's kind of like saying, if I obey the traffic laws perfectly and never speed, never do anything wrong behind the wheel, I'll never have an accident. But you know that's not true. It's because you can do everything right, and yet you got some crazy person on their phone while they're driving. And they're going to run into you. Even though you're doing everything right, you're going to be, you're going to be the victim of what they do wrong. And you can live totally righteous and still get laid off. You can be a totally righteous person and still contract a disease. Not because you sinned, but because you live in a fallen world that has been cursed with things like disease and accidents. And they happen to the just and the unjust as well. So if that's true, I think we need to know how to handle life when bad things happen, because they will. Now, to understand that, we're going to go over to the New Testament now. We're going to go out of the book of Daniel, over to the New Testament, and look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Paul was also a good man, but he was a man who had suffered incredibly in this life because of the wrong that other people did. And this is what he wrote about all of it. We can know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So that scripture gives us four keys, I think, on how to handle unfair times in your life because they will come. Number one, he says, we can know. We've, in fact, he says, we've got to know. There are some things that you have to know if you're going to be victorious during difficult times in your life. Have you ever had somebody say to you, well, I sure hope this works out? Have you ever said that? Well, of course you have. We all have. I sure hope this works out. Hope is a wonderful thing, but there's a higher level to living than just hope. I have met people who, who uh, 
And I've asked them, are you sure that you're right with God? And their response to me has been, I hope so. And I'm talking about people who are extremely religious, who go to church every week, and yet their response is, I hope I've done enough right to earn heaven. Do you know that every terrorist who blows themselves up has that same testimony? I hope this is going to get me into paradise. It won't, because good works will never get you there, and bad works for sure won't get you there. But my point simply is, the majority of people, even deeply religious people, hope for the best. God is saying you can know some things. In fact, you have to know some things if you're going to have victory over whatever issues that you are facing. Now, this is what I've learned. The faith side of a miracle isn't always easy. And what is the faith side of a miracle? The faith side of a miracle is when you still have a need, but you haven't had the miracle yet. So you're living on the faith side. Faith side is a wonderful thing, but faith side, you know, you're, you, got the, you still got the issue you're dealing with. The miracle hasn't happened yet. You're believing that it will. You got the faith. But sometimes the faith side of the, of the thing can, can be difficult. It's always easier, at least I should speak for myself, to worry than to trust. My first response, I know I'm a pastor and I shouldn't be this way, so I'm hoping to be better tomorrow. But for today, my first and easiest response usually is worry, anxiety, and fear. That's the first response to a crisis situation. And so because of that, I find myself stressed. It's easier to be stressed than to relax in the promises of God. Now, we all struggle with faith at times in our lives. We all struggle with relaxing in God's promises when we are in the middle of a battle kind of a deal. And our first tendency is to worry and to stress. And it's because we know, especially as Christians, and, and if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that, that God came through for you the last time and you've got, oh, thank you, God, for all that you've done. But what if you don't come through this time? You know, there's always that what if. What if it doesn't happen this time? I know it did before, but what if it doesn't this time? And so we can easily default right into worry. We can default into fear. They become easy options for us. Well, I thank God that the Holy Spirit doesn't let us drown in our own stress and our own worry. At least for me, he has always brought me back to that place of peace and of trust. But God, I believe God does not fundamentally want us to struggle with anxiety and live in that. He doesn't want our victory to go on hold just because we are facing a crisis. And that's why God inspired Paul to write these words here in Romans chapter 8. He's telling us there is a way to live that knows that God's behind our life, that knows with an assurance that God's going to work things out. It's a, it's a confidence that God will fulfill in us his plan no matter what we're facing in life. And that's why Paul said, we know. And we have to get to the point where we know. Your faith may falter momentarily, but God will always bring you back to his promises and to his peace if you will let him. 
So when you and I are facing uncertain times, an uncertain future, here's how you learn to know. You start crying out your pain before God. You cry out your fear before God. You don't try to hide it from him. It's like, well, if I tell God I have fear, then he'll know. He knows anyway. He knows your heart. You can't hide anything from, admit it, own up to it. God, I'm scared to death over what the doctor told me. I'm worried about what's happening on my job. I'm worried about my future with my job. I'm worried about what's going on in my marriage. Cry out your fear. Cry out your pain and let Jesus infuse you with a spirit-filled confidence that only comes from God. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. It's not the peace of the world, but it's the peace that I will give you. You can't find it from a pill. You can only get it from the heart of God himself. I want you to have confidence. I want you to have a knowing, and this is, this is what gets you greatly rewarded. This is important, folks. Don't pass this off. Hebrews 10.35 tells us clearly, do not throw away your confidence. Why? It will be richly rewarded. Hallelujah. Confidence in God. This knowing gets rewarded. So you get alone with God and you let uh, your need, you lay your need before him in prayer until you have broken through the barriers that may be hindering your faith. You get God's word and his promises into your heart. They have the power to break the discouragement, to break the defeat. And then you will know in your heart what Paul's talking about. We know you will know that what you need from God is taken care of. Even if the circumstances haven't changed yet, it doesn't matter if the circumstances have changed on the outside yet. In fact, th this is a key to the whole thing. Miracles always happen in your heart before they happen on the outside in, in, in your circumstances. They happen inward before they happen outward. So you got to get the inward thing going because that will influence the outward. Amen? You with me on this? Okay. So when you know in your heart that the promise is for you, when you have that confirmation of the Spirit, then you know this thing's in the bank and it's coming. Number two, he says, we know that God causes. We can know this for sure. When we are in God's hands, nothing happens that hasn't gone first through the filter of his will. I may not always like his will, his plan, but everything that happens in our lives has gone through the filter of what he is, allow, is allowing when we are a part of his family, when he is our God. So when Paul says that God causes, that doesn't mean that God puts things on you. And I want you to hear this real carefully. God does not cause cancer. Okay? God does not cause divorce. He doesn't cause rape and murder and, and trafficking of children. These things are consistent with the working of the adversary, the devil. He's the author of that. I just cringe when I hear people talk about tragic events, you know. You see it, you'll hear it on TV all the time. Something happened in this part of the world, an act of God, they'll call it. What a misrepresentation of the nature and the character of our God. If there's one thing Jesus is not, it's a killer. If there's one thing he is not, it's a destroyer. He does not steal. In fact, Scripture reveals that's exactly what Satan, who 
what Satan is and who he is. John 10.10 says the thief talking about Satan comes only to to steal, kill, and destroy. That's consistent with the working of the enemy. God is not a tyrant who somehow tries to manipulate events to bring us pain and and some perverted kind of pleasure enjoyment to him. No, Scripture says that God is not a killer. He is not a thief. He is not a destroyer. Scripture says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world, loves you, that he is making a way out of this whole thing for us. You may be going through a crisis, but God didn't do that to you. Maybe you did it to yourself self-inflicted wounds, or, or maybe someone else has done it to you, or maybe even Satan has unloaded on you, but it didn't come from God. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 13 says, don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up because God is impervious to evil, and he puts evil in no one's way. These things don't come from God. They come from heaven. They come from Satan. And and here is what Paul is promising in Romans 8. He's telling us that whatever we face, it has to move through the will of God, move past the will of God first. God will not allow anything to happen that does not fulfill a greater good in our lives and for his kingdom. So God has a plan He causes, and his plan is always perfect, which leads me to the third thought here, is that everything will work together. He says everything to work together. I'm glad there's a plan to life. I'm glad it's not just haphazard bunch of chance happenings in life. God has a plan, and when we submit our lives to that plan, he brings it to fulfillment. Now, the plan of God for your life is absolutely the best plan that there ever could be. You never have to be afraid of God's plan for you. When you give your heart to Jesus, you say, God, I'm accepting not only salvation, I'm accepting, ex- accepting your plan for my life. And it is always the very best thing that can happen. Sometimes it doesn't seem that way at first, but it is always the best. Sometimes God's plan is not the plan, though, that we would choose. Take Daniel, for instance. He, he was an unwilling participant in this disciplinary action of God upon the people of Israel. Now, I say unwilling because he didn't want to be in a foreign land as a prisoner in a foreign country. Of course not. He didn't want to be conquered. He didn't want to be uh, uprooted from everything he knew. He, he didn't want to have to go to a pagan land where he didn't know the language, he didn't know the customs. He would not have chosen to be numbered amongst those who were being punished for the sins that they had committed, but that's exactly where Daniel was. It's not fair. Daniel was a righteous guy, and here he is being hauled off to Babylon. The truth is sometimes the innocent get hurt right along with the guilty. Just look at the thousands and the tens of thousands of Syrian refugees who have nothing to do with the political crisis that's taking place in their country, but they are nonetheless victims of everything that's going on around them. And the tragedy is unspeakable. Or children who suffer because their parents won't get along and they feel the tension within the family every single day. Or or other children who, who are abused by mama's newest boyfriend. 
It's not a, a fun thing to talk about, but it is very real what's happening in the world. And it happens all over America, all over the world, every day. The innocent suffer because of the sins of the guilty. That is what was happening to Daniel here in Daniel. And, and probably hundreds and even thousands of other Jewish young men and women who were faithful to God, they loved God, they committed themselves to the service of the Lord, but they were being hauled off to a foreign land as prisoners of, of a foreign country because of the sins of their countrymen. Life can be like that. Your boss can make a huge mistake, and because of his mistake, your whole department gets shut down. You did your job, you did it well, he messed up, he still has a job, you've lost yours. Is there any hope in these kind of circumstances? Yes, for the follower of Jesus. We can know that God causes all these things to work together. And the key word there is together. Because in and of themselves, one event may not be too great. You get laid off. Who thinks that's great? Nobody. But what I'm saying is when you add this event to this event over here, to that event over there, and another event, given enough time, what you see when you're under the lordship of Christ is this all coming together so that when it's all completed, the beautiful picture of God's faithfulness and favor is revealed in a way you cannot believe. You never would have believed it would have happened. That's what I'm saying. Paul is saying that all works together. Don't judge what's happening in your life on the basis of what's happening right now. Trust God for the days ahead, which brings us to the last thought where Paul says they work together for good. How, how do we know? How, 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 can, how can we have that assurance? It's in trust that God can take something very bad and turn it into something very good in our life. Now, for Daniel and, and his friends, his people made it back to their homeland after 70 years. Now, it's interesting when you think about that. The prophet Jeremiah, before Israel had ever been hauled off to Babylon, had prophesied they would be in bondage for 70 years. Guess what? Exactly 70 years later, they're released and they're coming back home. The short story of what happened is Babylon's conquered by a new empire called the Persian Empire. For those of you who may be interested in knowing this, Babylon is basically the area of Iraq today, and Persia is basically the area of Iran today. So the Iranians, the Persians, came and conquered the Babylonians. And for some reason, God gave the new emperor, God gave him favor for the people of Israel. I mean, who would have guessed it? Why would he do it? In fact, not only did he send them back, he paid for the reconstruction of Jerusalem and the temple himself. He said, here, let me give you some money to pay for all of this. And then he sent his army along with the, the people who were going back in order to protect them in the journey. That's how much favor they got from, from Persia in order to return that 70 years later. The books, the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah are books that are talking about the, the, the restoration of Jerusalem and of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple 
in Jerusalem that came after the Babylonian captivity. And this happened because God worked it all together for good. Now, I'm just going to submit this to you. Who knows what God's going to do with the crisis you're facing in your life right now? This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.